Hello, people of Earth. This is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus, and you're listening to the uh, Human Music Podcast. Woo! Hmm. Human Music Podcast. I like it. Yo, 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 what is up, humans? I hope you're all doing beautiful today. We are, because we have a very special guest today. Katie, aka Slow Form, is joining us to talk about her production journey, which I'm super excited for. And obviously, my two lovely co-hosts, Trap Jesus and Rip Kenny, the boys. Uh, But I'm super stoked about this episode because I've known Katie for quite a while, and you've made some pretty big moves and... uh, you know, made, took music from a never thought about it to a maybe to a doing it full time thing. So that's, that's super exciting. I think a lot of our listeners are going to appreciate that perspective of how you sort of went through all that and, and what you've learned in the last few years, because your music has become so much more expressive and, and articulate. So um, with all that being said, thanks for joining us today. Katie? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yay! Yeah, this is one we've wanted to do for a while, so really excited to just chat with you, chop it up, ask how things are going, and, and, you know, talk about your journey, and you could ask us questions. We just roll with it. It'll be fun. Yeah, we kind of just kick it and then, like, end up talking about profit, like, predictions of the future and... (laughs) insights that blow your wildest dreams so uh we can expect nothing less today (laughs) no pressure though Um, yeah so why don't you just start us out with like uh why you got into music kind of your inspirations and like kind of what pushed you into this sphere okay sure uh yeah so i've always said that music was my passion like since I could start, since I could, you know, go to shows starting in high school, like love going to shows. That was my favorite, you know, thing to do on a weekend and always listen to music with, you know, cooking, showering, driving, like music was always playing, but it like never really occurred to me that it was something I could make or that I would like enjoy making really, which looking back now, it's like, Oh, like, of course I would love doing this. Like, why didn't I start sooner? Um, but it just like never occurred to me. And it was, uh, I started, I graduated uh, with a nursing degree, moved out to Colorado, got a nursing job, did that for like a year, year and a half. And then I switched over to working the night shift. And so I would, you know, work 7, 8 p.m. to 7, 8 a.m. And a lot of time on those shifts, like there's some cares that you do at the beginning of the shift, some at the end, but a lot of it's just like monitoring and like, you have to be there in case something happens or if the patient's more sick, like, cause I did home health care. So I just had one patient in a house and, um, it was kind of around that time that I was like, man, I have like all this extra time now because maybe like seven out of the 12 hours, I would just browse SoundCloud or watch Netflix or do this or that. And I was like, I really want something that I can like put my energy into and actually like not be wasting this time. And so I downloaded, um, I think it was like a virtual DJ 
and I just started like messing around with like, yeah, yeah. Cause like, I, I always loved digging through SoundCloud and like finding, you know, like dope underground tunes and stuff. And so I just like had a bunch of that on my uh, computer. So I just started messing around with that, figuring it out. And this was around like fall of two, three years ago. And that new year's, um, our friends and I were having a new year's party just in someone's basement. And one of our friends, Kyle DJs. And so he was going to DJ and I like talked to him a few months before and I was like, Hey Kyle, like I've kind of been messing around with this at work lately. Like, can you show me some things? Can I like play a little set like for our friends on new year's? And so he did, uh, you know, showed me some things. Um, and then new year's I played like a little, like one hour set or something. And it was like, you know, my friends were super supportive of it, but it was really that night. I had a few people be like, was that your own music? Like, have you ever thought of making your own music? And honest to God, like until that moment, I really had it. (laughs) And so when I had like a couple different people say that, I was like, huh, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's something I could be into. And so a few days later, I downloaded Ableton trial opened it was like what the hell is all this like I have no idea what any of this is I never you know had any friends that produced never seen a doll never you know it's mm-hmm. completely clueless um started searching on YouTube just like how to make a drop like I don't even know what <laughs> I need to be searching right now um and so it's funny because then it was like a few days later that I saw an ad for the breakthrough workshop uh, with Bill Gates and signed up for that. And it was just like everything I needed to hear at the time. Um, and you know, like I said, I was at that point where I was like, I have this free time that I need to like be spending doing something. Like I was just getting so bored, you know, watching TV and just like wasting the, you know, that time away. And so I ended up joining and just, you know, it's like, I really want to give it my all for this first year to see where that lands me. And, you know, if after a year, I'm not into it, I can, you know, step away and be like, okay, it wasn't my thing, but clearly I'm still here, you know, two, two and a half years later. So yeah, woo. <laughs> it's kind of funny how it all uh, came about, but I'm, you know, feel super lucky to have found the 808, you know, early on. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, that, totally. is, that is so fucking cool that you found that like straight away. Like I wish link in the description, by the way. You I wish so badly that I A knew those resources existed and B like like invested in in my personal growth as a producer, like from the jump. Like this literally, we have the exact same starting story. Like was always a huge like music fan downloaded virtual dj started making some like just hitting the record button like i was going to record a mix and just record a mashup of a song with like another yep. song, like just the vocals and i like showed it to like my other homies in college and they're like dude this is sick you made this and i was like well yeah i like made the mashup i didn't make like the songs and they're like why don't you make the songs and i'm like I don't have a good answer. I guess I probably should. And you know, you're like, Oh yeah. I think like I could, like I could sit here and like think of a banger, like just as much as any of these other ones I'm listening to. If I could just get what's in my head into the computer, I'm sure I could do this. Yeah. I think you guys are right. And then realized after opening Ableton and just, I literally, 
I think I've said this on the show before, but I had Ableton for six months before I ever realized how to get a sound that I thought was cool out of it. I didn't have, I just downloaded the trial or whatever the light. So I didn't have any of the instruments. I didn't have any synth or anything. I had no concept of there. You need a synth to make the noises. And I also didn't know arrangement view existed. I was just Mm. in session view and I couldn't figure it out. I had no fucking clue what I was looking at. And I would just open it, try and get it to work and then close it. And like, no, not for me. And then finally, I found Arrangement View, and my brother told me about this thing called Massive, which you can make sounds in. And I was like, oh, shit. So I got Massive, and I put that into Ableton. I figured out how to make just like a loop of kick drums and then a MIDI of this one sound in Massive. And I was like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing. I'm doing the thing. This is sick. And yeah, from then on, it was it was off to the races. But uh, yeah, no, it's love it. That's it's that's great. It was early Katie, do you uh, do you want to talk a bit about where you're at currently in your journey and sort of, you know, now we have uh, kind of what brought you to this point. You want to talk about like what you've been working on currently and what sort Let's- of. Let's get there in a minute because I'm actually, since we're talking about beginnings, um, I really want to hear, like, like Evan said, he had been, you know, working for a while trying to figure it out. You know, so had I, I think Tesco, you two had been making music for a hot minute before finding the class video. So what was it like, Katie, finding the best coaching program that you could possibly find to make dance music uh, right away? Like, I had to unlearn so many bad habits when I showed up. That's been more than half of my journey at, at in the class of 808 and at Producer Dojo has been unlearning the bad habits I didn't know I was forming over the years. So what was it like just showing up to get good coaching when you didn't know anything yet? Totally. Yeah, I've actually thought about that before because like I said, like every now and then I'll get that thought that I'm like, I regret like not starting all this sooner and not, you know, starting learning all this sooner but then I'm like but what I found the dojo what I found 808 and like I am so glad that I not only found you know dojo and stuff but that that was basically like all of my starting point from there um but yeah it definitely was like really overwhelming the first few months just because I got like thrown right in all the weekly downloads all the content all this I'm like I don't even know what MIDI is right now. Like this is a lot to take in all at once. Um, And so, yeah, like the first few months were definitely rough. And it's like I said before, it's a good thing when I made this decision, I was like, like, give it your all for a year at a year. Like if you want to reassess and it's not for you, that's cool. Because those first few months, there were definitely times I was like, I had no idea what all went into this. This is like way more than I thought I was signing up for and just wanted to like call it quits. Um, but super glad I didn't, but yeah, it just learning all that stuff, like you said, not forming, you know, the bad habit or not having to unlearn bad habits and just forming, like I got in the habit of finishing songs like right away. Like I never went through a phase where I just made a bunch of 16 bar loops because I was taught from the start, like finish every idea. So like the first, like all my songs, pretty much it's just, okay. Even if it's a bad idea, like finish it. I don't have, you know, a bunch of like 
project files that are just half finished songs, like all my songs, whether they're good or bad or like a full idea, you know, arranged out. Um, so that's probably it. one of like the most helpful things for sure. Yeah. yeah. People and starting just, yeah, out and just learning learn to like, that. yeah, yeah totally. yeah, totally. And just learning like how to take a day, just a writing day, like, and all you're going to do that day is write to get mm-hmm. the whole idea out, flush it out and finish as much as you can in that day, not like leave it for another day because then, you know, the emotion's not there as much as it is, you know, when you're first getting it out. Yeah, I totally agree. That, that, That concept of like going through the whole process and not getting stuck in a, in a loop is is so important. That's why. So like when I started producing, it was actually me and my brother, they were both learning how to produce in Ableton at the same time. We, uh, so two episodes ago, you know, gills, like, you know, they asked the, the question. <laughs> that, that was, that was my, me and my brother's first project. And it's funny because he would do a lot of that kind of thing. Like he would just like make like a loop and then kind of like send it to me. Like, is this good or not? Um, and would rarely make like full things. And I was the exact opposite out of naivety because I thought that I was going to be able to take whatever idea I started with and turn it into a full track and expected by the end of me working on it, that it would be good. Uh, which is completely fucking false. I spent three months working on the first track that I ever made, like every day after work, I'm talking like every day, just fucking with (laughs) shit in the same project on the same idea, making this six and a half minute long abortion of big room, (laughs) abhorrence and it was not the most productive use of those hours but um it did teach like it was just like kind of what i did like i would start a new idea and then take it all the way to the finish line just because i expected that like i could make it good by the end and then by the end it was like still not quite what i wanted but i was like oh there's moments in here that i like so i kind of justified it to myself like that but uh there's definitely a healthy balance in there don't if if you don't know how to mix yet like that's okay like do some basic moves try and get it to a point that you can call it done but don't sit there tweaking shit endlessly don't go back to your midis and change one little note don't go back and and rewrite the 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 rhythm of your main sound like i would go back and just like expect that i could change these little things to make this idea like amazing um, yeah, don't yeah, expect yeah. no rewrites, but like if shit you're starting if it's out, whack, you're not going to fix one MIDI note and it's going to sound right. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's before Evan learned about the uh, dojo philosophy of getting to uh, quality through quantity. Right. Take an idea, put it through the, the process as best as you know how today and then move on and do another one because it's that repetition that's going to get you good, not the sitting on one dumpster fire hoping it <laughs> cools down yeah right <laughs> so uh, uh how katie how like was the process of going through that quantity uh for you like right out the gate and actually just finishing ideas was were they coming fast um or or you know was each one taking a while um so it was like half and half some would some wouldn't um Throughout, like, this whole time, it definitely, like, me. (laughs) (laughs) Shouts out to Evans wheeling his chair wheel by wheel. 
<laughs> nudge by nudge over to get a beverage from his mini fridge. <laughs> yeah, we 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 paused to to talk about what you were doing because it was really fun to watch. <laughs> Are you still muted? <laughs> elaborately scooting to it was a great on my air conditioner and get a beverage. Go subscribe on YouTube so you can watch Evans. Yeah. Like you miss if you're not subscribed on YouTube, you mix you miss the cube diagram. Oh, mix mm-hmm. cube. Yeah, you need to see that one. You need me. You need to see me scooting around. <laughs> the studio. Let us know in the comments if you want more scoots and diagrams. Dude, I'll start scooting and I'm diagramming all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But anyway, so yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Katie. Um, how was that process for you? And like discovering that quality through the quantity yeah so it definitely took me a little bit for that to like fully sink in um I tried to like the first year first like six months a year I tried to hold myself to like one writing day at least every other weekend if not like every weekend um and it just like took me from like getting out of my own way and out of my own head and trying to make everything like perfect and finished and it definitely took me a while to get that through um but then I think it was really about a year later I did a farm for the first time that February yeah. album writing month and that was when I was really able to see like oh wow it really like you know quality through quantity like the song I wrote you know the first one of that month versus the 12th or whatever from that month it was just like night and day difference um and so since then I definitely try to kind of like in spurts, I'll like pick a month where I'm going to be like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, write as much as I can. Like, cause I, I try to hold myself to like one or two tunes a week. Um, mm-hmm. but like at the start of COVID I did like two months where I did like, like 10 or 11 songs each month. And just like that growth in those two months. I mean, that's oh, how yeah. I wrote my, dude, no wonder you're so good. So quick, dude, that's fucking ridiculous. That, that was like, uh, so it was like, April and May I think it was because it was like the start of COVID I'm like this is really a great time to just like really dive in on my music I was like starting to find my sound but I didn't feel like anything felt fully me yet there's like you know Mm. bits and pieces I would like or I'd be like oh yeah I like that I'm not like upset about it but it's not like what I want to you know put on my EP or something and so the first like two months of COVID I like like let's just write a bunch don't even worry really about mixing just like right 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 and then june july and august is basically when all my songs on the ep uh, came to life so it definitely <laughs> definitely helped yeah let's talk about the ep a bit and and yeah. where you're currently at in your journey and how does how did so how did writing this ep obviously talked about you know quality through quantity but how did that feel compared to prior and, and tell, tell the listeners a bit more about the EP and what they should expect from it. Yeah. So it, it's been a long time coming. I know Sean like reached out to me like over, it was like last April. So like a year and a half ago, almost a year ago saying like, Oh, like start thinking about this. And then like Dylan gave me a call like last fall being like, okay, I think you're ready for your EP. Get it going. And since then, like I've been trying to, but it just like, like I was saying, the songs coming out, not that I hated them, you know, I still plan to release a lot of them, but it's like, eh, I don't know if that's like what I want to put out on EP. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah, I don't know. All of these songs, they just kind of were like those magic writing days that you like finish the writing day and you're like, I don't even need to wait until my ears have a break and listen back tomorrow to like know if this is going to be good or not. Like this one is, this is one. (laughs) So Those days that you get to the end of and you're like, I can't fucking believe I made that. Like you, exactly. listen, like you spent like 16 hours in one day and it's like four in the morning and you, you listen back to it like one final time after like taking a break and you're just like, I, what? Like, I can't believe this materialized in a day. That's, okay. that is the reason you come back every exactly. time for all those riding days that you just make a turd. You get that one where you're sitting there late at night and you're like, fuck man, this is sick. I don't know how this happened. It's just like, you get in that flow and sometimes it just works perfectly. Those are the most beautiful moments. Totally. I actually had, I thought I had my EP done and I like turned it into Sean and everything and was going back and forth on it. And then I had a writing day like that, uh, last weekend. So not this past weekend, but the one before I was like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. This is one that's gotta be on there. And it was one too, that like four or five writing days prior were just like, eh, they were male ones. They weren't terrible, but they weren't anything amazing. And like you said, it is one of those at the end of the day, you're like, oh shit. Yeah. I forgot how great like this feels when they just like come out like that. And it just like goes well the whole day pretty much. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, stylistically, what have you been working on? I know like you were in that sort of deep dubstep wobby sort of bass kind of music and how has that changed over time, if at all? And, and what sort of new stuff have you been playing around experimenting with? Yeah, yeah. So I still definitely like that vibe a lot. Um, I really just like like what I want to get across with my music. I really like the music that it's like the sounds are heavy in a way, but like the groove of it, it's more of a groove than like a high energy, like head banging kind of thing but it still has more high intensity parts and just like really focusing on telling a whole story with it and like lots of contrast between I really like doing like the you know dark deep wubs but then also having like some nice melodies you know either in sections or like woven throughout um I really like doing just like minimal drums because I just think it allows me to have more space, just like so much space to play between and like have like interesting rhythms and um, things that would be more difficult to do with like a lot of, you know, with uh, more crowded drums and stuff. And so I've really been liking doing that and playing with like percussion and stuff. Sick. I love your sound. I, I I love your vibe and I love that like you've, explored so much in it and there's still so much you can explore in it but no matter how different this song is from that song like i can hear it be like oh yeah that is one of the reasons i was so excited to talk to you and get, get you on this podcast because i don't know a single other person that has gone from starting to make music to finding a sound that is really like obviously them as quick as you have i like maybe like maybe twice as fast as the next guy. Um, so I just want to know, like, does, is that something that just really came naturally to you? Like you, I feel like even the, from the first song that you sent me, I was like, she kind of, yeah, that first song that I ever heard from you, I was uh-huh. like, she gets it. Like there's something about this. That's like just very authentic. 
we've talked about that on the podcast a bunch. You have to be authentic, but just like, yeah, did that just come supernaturally to use? It's something that when you started making music, you were intentionally like, I don't want to make what everyone else is making, or was it just more like it came out? Yeah, so it's funny you bring that up because like circling back around to like when I started all this and like another reason I think I never really got into it. If you would have asked me two and a half, three years ago, if I was a creative person, I would say absolutely not. Like I always believed I was like the furthest thing, you know, from a creative person. I was always good at math, enjoyed science. So I was like, oh, like I enjoy like math and science. So therefore I can't be creative. Like, which sounds so Spoken silly now. like a mathematician. <laughs> music producer is the perfect Venn diagram of those two things. It's yeah. like, yeah. oh, now it's time to engineer. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, it's like, I never realized that creativity was something you could learn and like work to be creative. I thought it was just like, oh, mm-hmm. they're, you know, good at art. They're born, you know, that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it... I don't know. I mean, I definitely had in my mind, like, I don't want to sound, you know, like, um, what's already out there, but I don't think I was necessarily like actively trying to do that. Um, cause like my, my best stuff comes out when I just like, don't think about it when I'm just like, totally get in that flow state. And I just like, uh, that's been on my mind more lately, just trying to do like the opposite of what I would normally do or like, messing with random parameters just to see what happens or like one of my new favorite things is just like dragging a clip to somewhere where it shouldn't go and seeing how that sounds and just like the more I do stuff like that the more easy it is for me to get in that flow state and then yeah Dude, I wish I had a better like <laughs> more descriptive answer yeah, for no, that's it's, it's one of those things it's like people just assume like you said like before you tried music production you just assumed that it was like this person's genius is imprinted directly into the music that they make. Mm -hmm. And one of the most beautiful things about electronic music, it's like, it's not just you imprinting onto the computer as much as like, that's the preconceived notion that everyone has when you start out like, Oh, this song in my head is going to become the song on the computer. It's way more like fuck around and find out. You know, it's like you just try stuff, see what it sounds like. And you let your taste dictate the result. Would, it would, like, that's why when people are like, oh, man, like, I don't think I could do that. Or like, I'm always like the biggest thing. You just have to get out of your own way, assuming that you can't. Because electronic music is one of the most beautifully experimental two-way processes that anyone can try and anyone can make stuff that they think is cool because it's so easy to just like experiment. And then it's, it's there. Once it's in the computer, it's there. It's not like you have to play the solo on the guitar and then play it an, another hundred times like live. Like, no, that's that cool thing that you accidentally did is now there. It exists and it sounds that way. And you can now use that throughout your whole song. And it's just like so much more. It's, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons that it's so addictive and intrinsically motivating is that moment of brilliance, however it materializes, can happen at any moment. And it's not necessarily linked directly to skill. Like Mm -hmm. skill increases the chances of that brilliant moment happening, but it's not directly related, um, which is just like going to the casino, the creative casino is you can get better at it. 
but still we're all just like fiending for that one little mud pie accident that's going to change the course of the whole track you just get better at counting cards that's it (laughs) exactly (laughs) but it's counting cards is essentially mud pies that's that's like (laughs) the equivalent and 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 like you said in electronic music as soon as the sound is made and you have it printed in audio it's there now forever and you can do whatever you want with it and that's the crazy thing about this style of music is you get one little accident you could be 40 hours deep in a song you think you're at the end in the mix down you get one little cool bit and you're like holy shit that's that's the bit it took you 40 hours to get there but that whole bit maybe changes the way you rewrite that first drop or, or the outro of that song and it ends up becoming like the fucking thing. So that's huge, man. I feel like that doesn't really, that concept doesn't lend itself to like maybe improv genres, but not in the same way. Cause it's not saved. Yeah. Evan, something you said there too, um, was a big, like turning point breakthrough for me early on when I started thinking of it more as like, Oh, just play around until something catches my ear, then go with it versus like, Oh, I have to like write and arrange this whole track looking at a blank slate. Where do I even start? Like that was one of the, one of the many things early on that like really helped me get out of my own head, out of my own way. And it's like, Oh, this actually like, I don't have to make it super complicated. Just like mess around. An idea will appear. Sometimes it's like 30 minutes in. sometimes it takes like, two, three, four hours, but yeah. yeah, I love that. My favorite is when you, so you start in the idea phase and you're just making a bunch of ideas, 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 ideas. And then five hours in, you realize that the first idea you made that you're like, let's see if I could make something better. And so you replay like all the 20 ideas you have sitting there and you're like, Hmm, uh, first thing I made after five minutes, I probably should have just rolled with that because now it's 8 p.m. And uh, uh, yeah, but it's <laughs> really nice when you have all those intro ideas and you get like way later in the song and you're like, oh, I need more shit. What do I need? And then you're like, oh, I have like 10 stems right there of stuff I did not use at all. And then it's like it's like gaining the three mushrooms in Mario Kart. You just fucking zooms you. <laughs> Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, Katie, I love asking this question. We had this discussion a few podcasts ago. Um, but generally there tends to be a trend we feel where like every three months or so you kind of hit a new level up as a producer. And that's like, it just seems like that often your style changes noticeably, or you just like really integrate some sort of technique or something. So what do you have anything you'd say in like the last, however many months that you feel um, has either like really changed the course of your writing stylistically or has um, just like generally improved workflow and writing and that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, A lot of things really. Uh, The past like several months, I've really been like focusing it on my mixing, um, taking like uh, the best practices with Seth and stuff. And that's just like, open my eyes to a lot of things like right now we're uh talking about imaging and going deep on that and like I've been really enjoying that I've like never really thought of imaging as just like another tool to help like add movement in your song so like you know 
pulling the imaging in in certain sections and like really being aware of like where everything's placed. That's something I really hadn't dove into yet. Um, and then on the writing side of things, there's been a couple weekly downloads the past like few months that have just like really sparked some breakthroughs for me. Um, one of which was the bad is good episode where he talks about like, you know, making sounds sound, you know, shitty quote unquote, like if you heard them on their own, you'd be like, eh, that's, you know, nothing great. But the way all of those fit together, you know, to create that one full mix instead of making every sound be, you know, super wide and, take up all this space and stuff. Um, so that has helped me a lot. Um, I think of that, uh, like, like a jigsaw puzzle. If you're going to get the totally. pieces to fit together, this one needs a big chunk carved out of it. And this one needs an extremely obvious chunk sticking out of it. And then these two pieces can fit together as a nice mix and see the whole picture. Totally. Yeah. Um, Another big breakthrough I recently had, I had a lesson with uh, Chris Cryptochronica and I was just went in and just like talked, I had him give me just like a rundown, like refresher on Groove, which was super helpful. And something that has helped me like just like the last two, three songs, but I'm pretty sure I'm like most likely going to carry it out and be doing it more often than not. So I had been pushing all of my drums off the grid, like, snare was a little early kick was a little late hats always late and kind of he made this point to me that you know he suggested putting at least the first downbeat like on the grid so that it's you know a very clear like you know um place for you know the downbeat and stuff and ever since then so I started doing that and now I've been putting all of my kicks because I you know have super minimal ones but like kicks and snares on the grid because and I was talking um, to Moonspot and Jack about this in our last session. Like it's been helping me. I was struggling getting grooves that were like, I felt like my grooves were kind of jerky or robotic mm-hmm. and stuff. And by doing that, like putting those main drums on the grid has allowed me, cause like the sounds in between would also be off the grid. So it was just like, everything was off the grid. So it was almost like there was no reference of anything. Yeah. And so like now by putting those like main drum hits on it it allows me to like play more in between and have more like wonkier you know patterns and stuff but it still makes sense to dance to which that has helped me out a ton with my last few that's such an important balance like you want to be wonky you want to be groovy but there it's so easy to go too far and that's yeah like you said, that's a great way to strike that balance between having something where you know exactly where it is. You can dance to this without thinking at all, without counting, without doing any math. But then all of the other percussions and sounds that are off the grid help you really get that groove on. And shouts to Cryptochronica. He was on episode 11 of the podcast. Go check that out, listeners. The boy. He's such a smart guy. He like he. He's he's a brilliant teacher. He just has a really cohesive and clear way of explaining his processes. And he's got a bunch of processes that he's developed himself. They're just like really smart and dialed mm-hmm. in. Um, but like what you were talking about with the drums specifically, I totally agree. My my method is normally first kick perfectly on the grid. And then like for the next, you know, two bars, every other kick is somewhere that's not directly on the grid and the snares are moved like 
command key and an arrow, like maybe one or two, but basically since the snare is kind of the thing keeping time in the halftime song it basically on the grid but like not exactly um and then everything else is just fair game in between there but the first kick and then the snares are are like basically on the grid and then everything else will make sense because you have that like locked in groove with those totally yeah i was definitely struggling with that for a bit because like someone would be like, oh, it just like doesn't really make sense to dance to as much or it's like you don't have like a steady rhythm going. And but when I was writing it to me, it's like, oh, I've heard this a million times. I know what's coming. So to me, it would make sense. It didn't seem like awkward and jerky because I'm like, oh, like, yeah, of course that goes there. But now taking a step back and like really doing that and like a being like, OK, all the drums, the grid versus how they were. Then I can be like, oh yeah, it definitely has way more impact, you know, on the downbeat now, and it definitely like holds more steady rhythm. Mm-hmm. Do you find there are any things that you're doing now towards the latter end of the process when it comes to wrapping up and finishing tracks? Because I feel like a place where people commonly get stuck is towards the end, and oftentimes they'll bring like projects to sessions where they're like, it's it's cool like you can listen to it and be like that sounds objectively cool but as a song it's missing that last like five percent the mysterious five percent as nobody as everybody calls it but nobody knows like how to overcome it what Mm -hmm. uh little ways have you found to like take that tune over the finish line um honestly more often than not mud pies like mm, just mud yes. pies, the master. And like, then it just, cause it, like you're saying, I'll be like, okay, yeah, this, this sounds good. That could be done. It's a full idea, but it's not like that, you know, wow, what is this track kind of vibe, but then resample the master and then, um, portal. I recently got yeah, that and that has been like my favorite thing the past couple of months now. So that, or throwing it into a granulator and just like, making a, you know, 10 minute long mud pie or whatever, and then chopping that up and chopping those bits back in. And sometimes I'm like hesitant too, because I'm like, oh, I spent all this time like perfectly arranging this. But then it's like, if you just mess around with that and chop stuff in, and then you're like, oh no, that sounds way better. Oh, like we're going to roll with that. So yeah, mud pies is definitely that. And like, um, just taking the time to do all those like little effects, like the sweeps and, you know, little mm-hmm. impacts and little background, uh, splashes and effects and stuff are typically my last few things that I'll do there. I'm so glad you said that because mud pies and, and subtle ambience and effects, those are always the first things I have to bring up when somebody comes to me with this, cause they're always, uh, I mean, I guess mud pies aren't really unaddressed. They're a writing technique, but like effects get unaddressed all the time and just don't get given that like love and um, movement. And, you know, it's just like one of those really easy things. As soon as you start incorporating from the start and thinking of it as equally important, it really just integrates that like last 5% into the writing process. And it's not as big of a thing, but I, that makes me so happy. Yeah. I'm surprised you brought that up as well. Like literally, I think we even had a session together where we were working on finishing up a track for you. And you're like, how do I make this lead cooler? I was like, let's mud pie the lead too. 
because um, everyone thinks like mud pie the base to start and then that's that was your mud pie like nope all the things all of the things and then one of the things that i constantly try to impart on people too is like all those mud pie sounds that you made like i'm sure there's like a longer bass sound or something like literally just drag a manual volume fade on one of those longer bass sounds throw some reverb and eq out the highs and lows and make your sweeps out of the random mud pie bits you haven't used yet because the texture of those sounds is going to fit the overall palette of the rest of the track because it's like similar to everything that you've already used and especially in music like yours where like everything has a very cohesive vibe you're not going to grab a spaceship taking off riser from a cymatics pack and throw it in your music and expect like that it's going to sound good like you have to find the bases out of the riser go the other way (laughs) yeah exactly like that is one of the things that i really think separates um like an amateur sounding track from a pro sounding track like a pro will take what they already have in the song and create the parts that they don't have yet out of those pieces so that everything feels really cohesive when you're just grabbing stuff, random stuff from a sound library that doesn't, it, it's not part of the same family and not part of the same palette of sounds. You're it's like, it's like a film has a consistent coloration Mm-hmm. all the way through and a song should be the same like you're not going to have one scene that's like vibrant rainbow neon colors and then the next one that's like all blacks and purples and like super dark like that would be jarring it's the same thing with a song you like your palette should be your palette like you should think about the textures of everything that you're using and try and make them line up as much as possible so that nothing comes in you're like eh, kind of it's a lot of place. Mm-hmm. Super totally. important. Amen. Totally. Yeah. Speaking on that, that's another thing that's given me a good breakthrough, like the past several months kind of related to that, just like really focusing on that one sound that is like the holy shit. I can't believe I, you know, have this sound to work with and just like diving in deep on that and just really because this was you know something Dylan touched on when I went out for my dojo visit you know like before I went there I was very much like finding four to six cool sounds and you know making them in a cool pattern and still checkerboarding and stuff yeah and like like it worked as a groove but it just wasn't cohesive as a full Mm -hmm. song and so that was something that I focused on when I got back and like especially these last few months I'm learning more and more like how much better my songs come out when I do that, when it's like, okay, this is the sound I'm like going to, you know, dive in deep on duplicate a channel, add some like delays or, you know, filter it, whatever, duplicate a channel, make another version of it. Um, But yeah, how you were saying just like makes it one cohesive idea versus like all these little, you know, um, break off points coming in and out. Totally. Uh, shout outs to duplicating channels because that is the shit you don't have to automate everything if you literally just duplicate your channel and and create some sort of order i always think in terms of hierarchies from the mixing weekly download like 
just the idea of hierarchies in general has become like a foundation of my whole process. But if you duplicate it out four times, there needs to be some sort of hierarchy where some are bigger and some are smaller or some are wider and some are more pulled in. And a really easy way to do that, if you want like evolution over the course of your song, check out anywhere where you have a main part that's repeating for a few sections or your whole song potentially duplicate it out into like a few different layers or levels of intensity and then just level each channel 3 dB down from the next quietest and bam now you have leveling on your side immediately and then if you add delays reverbs whatever whatever it's you'd have to really fuck it up to not get like evolving songs at that point like you're setting yourself up for success by just having i envision it as like the same way a conductor would like tell the horns to sit there and the strings to sit there, you're sort of setting a few open spots in your mix and you could be like for this section, all right, piano stay there and then come here for this one and strings pull back here and then you could take one more step forward and like just drag and drop from there. G Shout out <laughs> duplicating channels. Nobody... I feel like that's not talked about enough. Not everyone's the first chair clarinet, man. You know? <laughs> that, exactly. If What most people do is put everything in the same position of the mix, and that's equivalent to, like, having your guitar player sitting on the drummer's shoulders while the horn player, like, stands on his head, and they're all, like, condensed into the same spot in the room. <laughs> all elbowing I, each other for position. <laughs> yeah, right. I saw, this, I saw this thing on like uh, a guitar forum, like really early on. Like they're like the saying, like don't just stand there, play something. Um, and like in a band that has like you know five, six pieces, like multiple guitarists. Someone was like, nah. Sometimes what you need to tell them is don't just play something. Stand there. You know, like. <laughs> Sometimes, like, yeah, like, stop playing. Like, you got to take instruments out sometimes, you know? If you're a DJ, you don't got to worry about that shit. True. Unless you're going B2B. <laughs> flail around. <laughs> Yo, um, I got I got a yeah, good go question. For it. Um, so I love the way your basses move and wub and wobble and wiggle and all those fun W words that they do. Um what is your process for like kind of generating your bassy ideas? Cause they're such a centerpiece of your style. Mud pies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I've gotten like my workflow will change and stuff. And, um, but the last like few months I've gotten a pretty good, like starting place just for, again, like getting out of my own way, getting ideas down, like starting to mess around with it. And so kind of my process with that, I'll just like, you know, kick on the one snares and then, um, make like two, maybe three channels with like bases that, um, so I've like realized lately the sooner I get into like the mud pie phase, the better. So I try to like not make the perfect bass sounds. I'm just going for like something that I'm like, oh, that's, that's cool. Or like, I like the tone of that or like, but not trying. Cause once I'm like, oh, this isn't, that's not the sound yet. Like it'll take me hours, you know, to like mm -hmm. tweak around until I get something I'm really stoked on. So 
I'll spend maybe like 30 minutes or so just like pop open serum. Um, that's my usual go-to sometimes like operator or something though. And just like making, you know, a bar long of, you know, a tone of some sort and, you know, get some like movement with LFOs and effects and stuff, but make it like decently cool. But then once I'm like, okay, yeah, that's like, has a good groove, some different like textures and sounds in there. Then, um, lately I've been turning to portal for throwing that on and just like messing with that. And then I just love doing, um, audio editing then. So I'll get like a 10 or so minute mud pie and just like, just scrubbing through, finding the cool bits and, um, just working on the eight bar loop until I find like a phrase that makes sense to me. And sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it comes out right away. Um, and a lot of times too, I notice it will change as like the song progresses. I don't know if this like happens to you guys a lot when you're in, but like you'll have like your groove or idea and you think it's like cool at the time, but then as your song progresses and you circle back around, you're like, yeah, no, that's like, that's not as great. Let's like tweak it around and like mess, you know, move some Only things around. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. trash that idea, start some new ones. Um, but yeah, just mud pies and then audio editing with those and just uh, like stretching things, pitching things in weird ways. Um, heavily saturating things to where they're yeah just like mm-hmm. clipping like crazy but making like really neat distortion from doing so um and delays too i've i really like uh playing with the delays and like the cool effects lately i've been getting some really cool results with like putting delays on like super saturated clipping bases and flattening those but only taking like the delay portion not the actual original sound and i've been getting like some cool tones and textures uh and like movement that way hey um i'd love to hear your perspective on post-processing because that's another topic that i um do a lot of sessions uh with people on and a lot of the times it's generally an easy fix it's the sounds are just a bit too sterile because they don't give enough like saturation and distortion and get that like grit do you want to talk a bit about your perspective um because you've like fully internalized that concept but i remember before when we when we would uh go through tracks you were very much in that phase as well and now having overcome that um how would you describe that process of like beefing up a sound and like what is distorted enough or i guess how far can you push distortion basically um don't make your shit soft right like the sterile sort of like chief sounding sound do you want to talk about how you got away from that yeah yeah because i was definitely stuck in that for a bit and where i had in my mind like oh i'm gonna do one thing and it's gonna like break the sound and it won't be usable and it'll sound terrible or whatever. So I definitely was like, you know, didn't like use compression or like saturation or anything for a while. Um, but then uh, so I do just, you, do you think that was like a holding back, like being scared of doing the wrong move type totally. mentality? I see. Okay. Totally. Yeah. Because ever since I started thinking of it as like, how can I break this sound or like how far can I push this sound? it just like things started clicking to me that and just like referencing more and hearing, like actually listening to the sounds of other reference tracks. Um, but yeah, really just for me, it was just 
throwing shit on there, like cranking it as, you know, far as it can go until it gets past that point and then like taking it back. So like anytime I'm doing, yeah, sound design or like mixing or anything, I'm always pushing something to the point that it breaks and then taking it back from there. Unless I like the sound that it makes when it breaks, then I'll leave it there. But yeah. So smart. I was, I was gonna, I was gonna add that and you just like totally nailed it. A, um, yes, sometimes it does sound better as it breaks. And then Mm -hmm. you're like, Oh fuck, that's sick. I'm going to use that as a, like a little glitchy fill. But if you're unsure how far you can saturate it, if you're unsure how far you can distort it, push it until you know, for a fact, it's too far. And And then it's just like, it was totally of like, well, does it sound good to me? Do I like the sound it's making? Like, yeah. Cool. I'm going to keep it. Yeah. Like establish you- the outer limit and then you can run back just real quick too. Yeah. Use that for limiting on your master. Everyone's like, how far can I push the limiter? Push it until it starts to go splat on the kick and snare. And that's how you know it's too far. And then say- pull it back a DB and a half. Doing that too, the like pushing something too far until it's not, that's what helped me learn how to tune things by ear too. That I was telling someone the other day, like that they were like, how do you tune things by ear? And for like a while that seemed so, you know, far-fetched. Like, I don't know how you do that, but I just like trained myself to do that. I would either take a frequency shifter or just the pitch on the audio clip and put it, you know, way down or way up to where it wouldn't be. And then just like, not look at it and rain your eyes until you're going back and forth being like, okay, now that's lower. That's too high. Cause it's all, you know, like reference and, you know, perspective to like what else is there. You know, I couldn't tell you what note it is. I have no idea about that, but like, I can tell you if like, Oh, this needs to be a little higher in pitch to like match what I'm trying to match. That's already here or not. That's also you that's touched on such an important thing too. close your eyes and fuck with the knob. Mm-hmm. so often like a science minded person like myself or you like i'll get into trouble because i'll just like use my eyes on a spectrum and be like oh this is a resonant peak here i need to cut that out with the eq or like you know adjusting a filter or a, like a effect or something i'll just be like just going not what the sound needs but what i think the dial should be at from a previous song or what's worked before and then just you just end up screwing it up like you like close your eyes and adjust the knob to where you're like that feels right totally then, i'm always closing my eyes and yeah. also like turning having you know what you did and then turning it off and on to where you lose if it's off or on mm. close your eyes which sounds better? Open your eyes. Okay. Is that on or off? Did I really need that? Did that actually make it better? Or was I just like, Oh, I add this to everything. So this gets it too. Sausage fattener. (laughs) I mean, that's an exception. All the way up. (laughs) I love that you touched on that Katie. Cause that was going to be my follow-up question to the mud pie stuff. Cause that's always people's first question. If they have doubts is like how to get that confidence in knowing if you're on the right path or if you're picking the right samples or whatever. And like, that's, I think what you outlined there is like the perfect way to train your ears to, to do that is like push it. I always think of tuning effects personally as like, 
you push to both bounds and you sort of oscillate back and forth until you like tune it to the sweet spot. So you explore the whole range and then like narrow in on it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yo, uh, I'm going to switch gears here because yeah. I want to ask you about that sweet, sweet Sam Shoemaker and Trap Jesus remix you did for the uh, <laughs> for the Do It For Me remix EP. I know uh, we've, we've touched on uh, the fact that Rip Kenny did a killer one, but I want to hear about the process of, of Slow Form's amazing remix on that EP. Yeah, totally. Uh... So that song almost didn't come out because I almost gave up on it halfway through like seven different times because it just was not working. Uh, I had like part of the idea came out like fairly quick, but then the rest was just like not working. And I, you know, tried like, it had like five or six different iterations of ideas. So I was just like, I think I had the first half down, but not the second, I think. I don't know, it was a while ago, but yeah, it was like part, half of it was, half of it wasn't, and almost gave up on that a few times, but glad I did it because, <laughs> yeah, it ended up coming out pretty good. Man, my yeah. biggest song I almost gave up on too, so that's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's something for people to remember. Like, if you're like, man, I like this, but maybe I should just give up on it. You know, maybe, maybe take time and come back to it. But if you're worried like that, you're worried because it's dope and you're worried about not finishing the dopeness. So push through and make that happen. Yeah. Or you I, listen to it way too many times. Yeah. Like what you said about, oh, I know to expect this. So it sounds proper. Like that is so a thing you have to watch out for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and on that remix, like, I mean, by the time you turned it in for our remix contest deadline, like we played yours, you know, we had whatever, it was like 17 remixes uh, that got turned in before the deadline. And I had Sam Shoemaker sitting right behind me here and, and we were playing all of them on Facebook live and yours came up and he was like, Oh, who is this? This is my jam. I love this style. So I low key, high key, got to get you and Sam uh, on a track together again. Totally. But, um, but by that time, me and Sam were already like, oh, we love this one. This is definitely in the top of the pile, like for sure. Mm -hmm. Then an entire year of messing with those songs uh, with Ill Gates feedback happened. So let's talk about that. Like you got the idea wrangled and you got a really cool idea. And then we turned the pile of the best few ideas into Ill Gates. And it's like, OK, now the real journey begins. So let's talk about that process a little bit. Yeah, that was definitely, it was a great learning experience because I was like the first, I mean, that was the first like official release I had. Um, and so a lot of that stuff that he was telling me, I was like learning right then and there. It definitely was a lot. <laughs> um, it was very difficult at times. And like, because it had been so long too, a lot of my writing techniques, like I found better ways of doing things. So like towards the end of that, I was like, oh man, I have to like open up this project again. Like not because of the song or anything, but just because it was a terrible mess and like the routing of things and the mixing of things. And I think I remix like did redid the mix on that like three or four different times because I would like learn something new and be like, okay, I know I can like do this better now, but I have to redo all of it to like redo the mix. Um, so it definitely was 
like a trying uh, thing. It definitely um, took a lot of energy, took a lot of willpower to keep trucking through on it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. I learned a ton in the process and yeah, it was, that was, I'm trying to think, um, cause that was in March, right? Like March at the remix contest, March or April. And then it was like, I'll believe you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it was legit a year from yeah. what was like, yep, these are the songs to when it actually got released. That's true. Yeah. That's it's a tough it's a tough process just in and of itself having a year to think about it and mm-hmm. having a year where you open it up every month or two and try and come back to it and you're like right now I remember why this couldn't be better because this thing when I turn this knob to fix it breaks it and being able to it's always so hard when you have to like redo work on something you know Mm -hmm. when you're like i did this already but it didn't work and i have to reverse all that shit and try it again because you have that like internal fear of can i make it better is it going to be better am i no am i going to waste my time i already did this i'm frustrated i have to do it again the one thing that i always just like try and force myself to remember is that like regardless of if it ends up better when you try to redo it or not you're not worse off than where you started. Like you could try it again. Like, yeah, it might take some more time, but it's not you. It's just so, it's so easy to build up that like resistance in your head to like, oh, I don't want to do that. Cause I'm, it might be worse or oh, I don't want to do that. Cause like, you know, it's not going to be what I thought it was going to be, or you have all these preconceived notions of why it won't work like that or whatever. But it's just coming back to the you got to try you got to fuck around and find out well and if it doesn't find out right well and if it doesn't come out better it's like you found those ways that don't work then and now you know that and know that for next time and you won't make you know you'll try another way of getting to you know an end result totally yeah and if your mix like that's people like look at their mix like well I already did it and it's like yeah but it's not good so it's not the one it's not mixed <laughs> yeah you attempted I've had to learn that lesson the hard way like yeah no I already did it. yeah no just don't worry about that the mix isn't carved in granite it's it's molded out of play dough if that play dough isn't working smush it back into a ball and start over you still have all of all of the material you still have the tracks they're still in the right order the arrangement still exists just mute everything and start over with the kick bring back the kick make it sound better than it did bring in the snare make it sound better with the kick than it did and just do the whole mix again and try to make everything better than it was and you will learn so much through that process and you know, I'm sure like now that you're saying like you've been doing, you know, you'd spent all this time writing, then you had all these tracks to really focus on getting your mixes down. You had, you made a bunch of material and then you were able to really focus in and do mix after mix after mix. And I'm, I imagine that process was transformative. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that I want to, I want to ask you as well, because for me, the thing that took the longest and the thing that I thought I could just force my way through with 
book learning and YouTube tutorials to make things sound good was how to really actually translate a mix into something that sounded professional after, you know, mastering the final product sounding professional probably took me four years, five years really to get something that I'm like, okay, like I trust my ear now enough to know that this is like pro level. Um, what were what were some of the biggest breakthroughs mixing wise that have allowed you in just two and a half years to to finish tracks that are actually really really quite high fidelity? So I I got to give like most of that credit to Seth and the approach and best practices because that like before I took that so I started that I was in like the first group that took that back in like November I think it was so almost a year ago now. Yeah. Um, but before that, like I had just started really like diving more into mixing. I was like, okay, I'm like getting some, you know, I'm feeling more confident with my arrangement and like getting ideas out. Mixing's the next thing I'm going to like start tackling. Um, and really just like having him do a lot of ear training with us and like referencing and being like, okay, now listen to this. This sounds closed and boxed in now this sounds open and wide like all these dimensions that I didn't know existed in the mix like depth and height and width and you know all those things that it's just you don't realize they're there until you're told and then you're like can a be you know this is why this is not now like really listen to the difference and like um so that helped a ton and like I started using references a lot more um Cause I really, like, I had always heard like use references, but I was like, I don't, okay. Use references. How, like, what does that mean? I can hear a difference, but I don't know how to like make my track closer to the reference. But once I like learned how to be like, okay, listen for certain elements, the kick, like listen, how punchy it is. Listen to the transient response on it. Listen to the frequency response. Now listen versus yours and just, I mean, I can tell my mixes get better and better each time. Um, the first few months of, or first few weeks, I guess, of Seth's course, when we were redoing them, Luke, like you said, I went back to like one of my previous mixes and I swear I remixed that one like six or seven different times. Cause the first like five times it turned out terrible, like garbage. I was like, Oh, my old, like wimpy mix was way better than what I have now. This like just big distorted mess. But just a matter of like practicing and doing it over and over again. I can tell like my ears, like I can pick out those like harsh resonances more. I can pick out like when something's sounding dull and closed versus open and wide. And uh, yeah, just a lot of referencing and ear training on that. Yeah. Amen. Big shouts to Seth Drake. Shouts to the approach. Definitely Link in the description has been a huge, uh, it's been a huge uh, level up for me as well. Um, yeah, amen to that. He has a yeah, really good just way the of whole articulating. Idea of, like connecting sounds together, like starting from truth. Yeah, yeah. Because when I had started, you know, diving on my own and mixing it, felt like I was just going in circles. Like I would just go through and be like, okay, let's make everything as wide as I can, you know. And now it's like, okay, mix my sub to where you know I know I want the loudness. I know how I want it to feel. Now let's marry the kick to that. And he just did a really great like few episodes on low end and just like listening to the 30 to 60 hertz band on its own. And then also the 60 to 120 because of cross like all genres. 
those two like um, frequency bands are relatively the same. Like what you'll hear in there, the like volume levels, uh, you know, the width, the punch in it, it's all relatively similar. So like then, you know, now you have your kick and sub together. Those are working great. Now bring in the snare. Like that helped a ton just like thinking about connecting the dots between sounds and using um, EQs to help connect those dots, like boosting different frequencies so that you can be like, oh, let's boost, you know, this frequency in the lead. So now it's touching the snare more. And now it's more like of a combined unit versus the snare being over here and the lead being over here. Yeah, that's one of the things that was really eye-opening to me as well. Like we had touched on earlier in this conversation, how when you're making a song, you should think of your color palette, right? Like the textures and everything should match, right? And it, like I had kind of a concept of like, why that made the song sound better but it it was brought full circle because i never really thought about that in a mixing stage i i always had like i always felt that about a song when all of the parts that i was using felt like they fit it's because they had a similar texture and character and then he when he was like you know explaining in the mixing stage how you can continue to develop that idea into making your palette of sounds when you think of your song in an engineering fashion to, to make the palette of sounds even more similar to bring everything closer to like blend the colors together, essentially. Right. Like you have to take that concept all the way to the finish line. Right. And then at the end, you just have this perfectly cohesive masterpiece that looks like it was painted by the same artist on the same day with the same intention. Right. Totally. Yeah, that's like the stuff I've been learning in there. I mean, all the last like two and a half years has just been blowing my mind, but like connecting the different elements and how like EQs, because I love how he does like the deep dive on these simple tools that it's like, I really didn't know how they worked or what, you know, you could use them for. And like talking about how, you know, EQs, when you're boosting, yeah, you're boosting those frequencies, but you're also introducing like phase differences and that will make certain elements or certain frequency bands of those elements like jump out at you more so it brings it more to your the focus so like if you you know boost like 80 hertz in a kick like yeah you're increasing that like low end punch but you're also bringing it more focal in the mix you're making it jump out more it's not just like a volume you know change it's actually bringing it like closer to you which was something that is really cool to play around with um and i thought was like really interesting i never thought of it like that before yeah getting you know just shows the the power of getting around somebody that's really studied this stuff and really wrapped their head around it and had to come up with really cool metaphors and descriptions to to convey that back to you. And then all of a sudden, like they're just talking about it the way they thought it up in their mind in a way you've never thought of it before. And all of a sudden these concepts make so much more sense. It's like mm-hmm. mentorship. Yeah. Whether it's class of 808, producer dojo, the the approach with Seth Drake, you know, just finding cool producer buddies to hang out with and zoom chat, start a podcast and bring people on, whatever, any of these things. It's just all, you know, Music's a team sport. Like, get around Amen. other people that know stuff. Man, yo, working with people is one of the biggest things because 
the thing you said, Katie, about like you get to that point where you don't even know if it's like dope or not anymore. You just lose perspective on the whole thing. It's because you're so in your zone and so tapped into your influences and all these things that whatever you're doing is just obvious. But to Luke, it's not obvious. To me, it's not obvious. To Evan, it's not obvious. And when you have four different perspectives like that, we're like, we don't even realize how valuable our perspective and influences and all these things are and you bring that to a session and someone sees the value in that is like insane or like you just said luke you hear somebody articulate a concept in a way that makes sense to them how they mentally thought it up and then shit just starts flowing for you and it fills in those gaps in your knowledge that like you can't really have a session and diagnose a problem like that and then address it but if you work with somebody else, it's just monkey see, monkey do, and you just pick up on it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So to close it out, you know, um, what are, what are your plans for the near future, Katie? What, what are you, uh, you know, obviously getting this EP wrapped up and then, you know, what do you, what do you see in your, for the future of slow form? Oh man. Yeah. Main goal is just the EP right now. Um, pretty, it's pretty much there, I think. So hopefully like early next year, I'll be able to be putting that out. Uh, yeah, just going to keep uh, writing, writing as much as I can, working on my mixes. Just, you know, I'm, I'm really stoked on this EP. I'm really excited to share it, but I still see, you know, so much further that I can go. And I'm just, yeah, uh, just going to keep exploring uh where my sound kind of takes me and what it develops into. I'm trying not to like hold it in any one direction and just kind of play around and see where, see where it takes me. And everyone needs to take notes on how many days Katie set aside to like write music, to sit down and write a whole thing. Um, Many people don't put enough time on the calendar to like write a whole song myself included uh it's so important to not just like chop it up into an hour at a time like you gotta you gotta dedicate time to to work on your music and um in a long format and uh and also invest in your invest in yourself invest in your your learning and you know i think you're an absolute shining example of when you do all those things correctly, how far you can come in two and a half years. I think you should be really proud of where your music's at and you know, how far the journey has come in such a short time. Thanks. Um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm like baffled as to how much I've learned in just like two and a half years that it makes me just really excited to see what else, you know, a couple of years down the road where that'll, where I'll be then. Yeah. I'm really excited for you. I, I highly expect to be uh, getting weird dancing to your stuff uh, at the Grove at Shambhala pretty soon. Oh, oh man, you know uh, that'd be a dream. <laughs> we all gotta, we all gotta get out to Shambhala next year. If you know, yeah, Tesco, you're the only one I haven't met in person, and I that know. would be the spot. See, I was kicking myself last year after everybody was talking about how sick it was, but now that it's canceled this year, I'm just. It, Did you buy a ticket? Did you year. buy a ticket for this year? No, 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 no. I don't want to hear it, bro. You're not committed yet. 
<laughs> well, now I feel feel the drive to go. So next sure year, do. hopefully, you well, better you know be what? there because we're going to be there. To your face, hanging out, in fucking having a great yeah. time, and uh, I, I don't want to be there without you, bro. Yeah, we're going to be we're going to be on the dance floor getting down to some Such a blast. Yeah, this yeah. last year when it was supposed to happen, I was talking to him and I was like, we should be dancing on the village stage right now. Right. <laughs> That's OK. Next year, all the dancing, no sleeping to make up for it. Oh, man. Oh, yes. Not It'll allowed. Be so nice when we can socialize. I guarantee again. I'm going to sleep a little bit. <laughs> It'll be in the early mornings. One power nap. That's it. <laughs> you get you get, a, you get one power nap per day by the river. <laughs> also cramming living room music into your ear holes. If a nap is fifteen minutes, is a power nap eight hours? <laughs> no, just fifteen. One minutes. power, power nap, nap per day, power bro. Naps are fifteen minutes. Power nap, fifteen minutes. Wim Hof breathing into the river, and then you're good. Into the river, the okay. Yeah. The real power nap is when you down a cup of coffee and then lay down for your nap right before the cup of coffee takes effect. Yeah, then, yeah. Woo! That's a big. That's a that's a back. nitrous nap. That's a nitrous <laughs> nap, dude. That's... Oh, an intellectual, I see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so slow form. Tell them how to get a hold of you and and where they got to go follow you on the onlines. Yeah, so I am slash uh, slow form or slow form music everywhere. Hell yep. yeah. Run that shit up and keep an eye out for the new EP. I'm super stoked. Yeah. 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 Cool. Thanks for joining oh, us, yeah. Katie. Sick. Thanks for having me on, guys. It was good talking with y'all. Yeah, this is awesome. Absolutely. And with that, it's a wrap, humans. Peace Take it out. easy. Peace among worlds. Peace among worlds. <laughs> I like it. What's up, humans? Thank you so much for listening to the Human Music Podcast. We truly appreciate you. In fact, we made you a gift. Click on the link in the episode description to get our new sample pack for free. It has some of our favorite basses, FX, percussions, and Foley sounds to instantly level up your productions. As always, remember to rate and subscribe, and we'll get back at you with a new episode every Tuesday. Peace, and peace among worlds.